I'm not much of a control freak. At least I don't, I don't think I am. I mean, you're welcome to check with the staff and see how they feel about that, um, or even with my kids. But uh, um, I, I tend to be pretty tolerant with a lot of, you know, I'm not sure how this is going to turn out. Uh, that being said, there comes a point where it's like, oh, this is just too much. It happened yesterday in my office, uh, sitting behind my desk and looking at the piles. And I'm like, this, it's just too much chaos at this point. So get it all set aside and get it all neatened up. Um, it happens sometimes at home. You know, five kids do that, right? Our house is never chaotic, is it? <laughs> never. When, when life gets out of control, whether it's by your own fault or just the circumstances that you find yourself in, what do you do with that? You know, in my experience, you, you try to bring it back into control. But that doesn't always work, does it? As I'm reading this Old Testament lesson, I see a lot of out of, out of control. You might remember last week we, we met Elijah and he has this confrontation with the king, says there's going to be a drought, and God hides him. He says, you, you go out and you hang out in this ravine and I'm going to bring you food via bird. And, uh, you know, and he just sits there. And then the creek dries up. Okay, Elijah, the creek is dried up. Go to Zarephath, which is not Israel, by the way. It's Sidon. It's a completely different religion and everything. Go there. I've appointed a widow who's going to provide for you there. Does the widow know? No. Does he know who this widow is? No. Just go. And he gets there and he meets the widow. Hey, um, we bring me some water. And uh, by the way, bring me some food. Oh, about the food. Um, I don't have any. The little bit that I have, I'm going to cook it up and my son and I are going to eat it and die. I'm just, this is just feeling more and more out of control. And then Elijah says to her, great, good plan. Make some for me first. Because God has promised, because God has promised, flour's not going to run out. The jug will not go empty. I don't know about you, I'm feeling a bit of tension with that. That's, I, I can't get my hands around that. And then it just goes from bad to worse. Because then what she was planning on actually... Half happened. Her son died. Every, everything in this, it just, it, it, the people are just kind of walking and things are happening and it just feels out of control. But is it? 
No, no, not when you look at it from a different angle. Not when you look at it from God's perspective. Everything is going exactly the way that, that he intended for this to go in order to provide for Elijah, in order for his word to be proclaimed, in, in order to do his work to bring salvation about for the people of Israel. But when you're walking through it, it's really hard to see that. And, and I think this is one of the things that we miss when we read the Bible. You know, we're like, oh, Elijah, he was so awesome. I bet when he sat by that creek and the ravens were bringing him food, he was just completely at peace. I'm sure there was never, what in the world? I'm, I thought I was a prophet. Prophets are supposed to talk to people and I'm out here all alone. You know, he, he speaks to the widow and, and she's got this promise from God that, you know, that the food's not going to run out. But then her son dies. That's got to feel just, I don't understand. And from Elijah's point of view too, I don't understand what is going on here. I mean, he, did you hear what he said? You know, I mean, he said, did you bring sorrow upon this woman, you know, by killing her son? He doesn't, it's all out of control for him. And one of the things that I find absolutely striking in this is, is that the stakes are so high the whole way through. You know, because it's all about confronting this idolatry that's going on in Israel. It's all about bringing God's people back to him. It's all about recapturing the hearts and the imaginations of Israel so that God's people believe in him and receive the salvation that he is preparing for them. The stakes are high. It, in, in a sense, it's a matter of life or death. But there's another sense that we can look at this and say it's a matter of death or life. Because if... Elijah stays there with King Ahab. He's going to kill him. So he can go off and obey God and live. And with the widow, the widow is planning on dying, right? And yet here comes this prophet with this promise. And it becomes a matter of death. I'm going to go make my cake, eat it, and die. Or life, if God keeps his promise. And the issue with the boy is definitely, I mean, the boy's dead. In a sense, Elijah's you know, right there, and it's a matter of death or life. God, please, intervene here. And as I think about them walking through the situations, is this really that much different than us? That it's a matter of death or life? When you look at what the Bible teaches us about, about who we are as humans, that we are dead in our trespasses and sins, that the wages of sin is death, but it's only the gift of God that brings eternal life. Here are your choices. You, you, can, you can continue in your sin and die. Or you can receive this hope, this promise that one day, if you believe in Jesus, you will rise again. That your sins will be forgiven and you will receive everlasting life. It's 
a matter of death or life. And the reality is, we're betting our lives on Jesus. <coughs> but we still want to be in control. We want to be able to understand why and how and where does this all work out? And it's rather frustrating, but I, I don't think that God is necessarily in the business of answering those questions for us all the time. Is that okay? You know, we think about the commandments, and the first commandment says, you shall have no other gods. And this is one of the things with control. When life is in control, you know, we've got it. We're able to manage. We're able to make sure that we're taking care of the things that need to be taken care of. And, and in a sense, it's almost like we become the gods of our own lives. But even when things are in control, as far as we're concerned, God is still God. And to live in, in that tension of, I need control versus I need to trust God to be in control with what's going on. Sometimes that's a leap of faith, isn't it? And sometimes that's very hard. You know, when, when we talk about this, uh, this commandment to have no other gods, it, we, we say that this means that we should trust him above everything. That we trust him above ourselves. We trust him above our need for control. We trust him for our need for physical good. We, we need to trust him over our need to justify ourselves. Have you ever noticed how people love to explain why they do the things they do? The self-justification that, that fills our lives. There's even an, an element of this in our reading tonight in verse 18. You know, the woman comes to Elijah after her son has died. What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. She's, she, she's just completely torn up about what's going on here. And, and she ties it to some kind of guilt in her own life. But we can't justify ourselves. Jesus is the one who justifies us, who forgives our sins and makes us right. Can, can we trust God in all the things that we experience in life? Can we, like the woman, trust God and his word and his promises when we experience want? That might be hard to imagine for us. I would be willing to bet that most of us have never experienced it. Can we trust him in the face of injustice when it's not fair? Can we trust him in the face of death? And, and this is hard. You know, I, I think about 
people from the congregation that I've buried over the years and the faith that they displayed as they died. And for me, I, you know, you, you, you start to wonder, what will it be like when you are there, when it's you? You know, and, and will you have the faith to face that with grace and with peace? And it gets even harder when it's not you, but watching somebody that you love. Can you trust God with that? Can you trust him when you don't like what he says? We're going to go make this bread. We're going to eat it. Then we're going to die. Great. Make some for me first. That's hard. Can you trust him when you don't like what he does? Can you trust him when you don't understand Can you trust him when he doesn't remove the suffering? I think about Jesus in the garden. He's so overwrought in that moment that, that he, he's literally sweating blood. You know, the capillaries are bursting and it's mixing with the sweat. And, you know, that's a very, very stressful sign. And uh, he has to trust his father with his suffering. That's hard. Lent is a season of repentance. And tonight I wanted to encourage you to look at your life and to look at the first commandment. To think about what does it mean to have no other gods and to trust God above everything. And I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that, you know, we don't have any responsibility for our lives. We're just kind of driven by fate and what God throws at you. You know, suck it up, buttercup. God has given us control over many things in our lives. And we need to use that control as a stewardship. To let our lives proclaim his salvation and his glory in this world. But... Our control is very limited. And ultimately, it's all God's. And I think it's good for us to look at where do I trust him and when, when do I don't? And then to repent. And to ask for forgiveness. I find, I find it fascinating. You know, we read through this whole thing and Elijah brings this little boy back to his mom and hands the boy to her and says, you know, here, here's your son. He lives. And the woman says, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is true. The flower didn't run out. The jug did not go dry. But now I know after the resurrection of the dead. It's not the food that proves it to her. It's the resurrection of the son. 
And it's the resurrection of the Son, of God's Son, that shows us God's commitment to us to bring us through, even when everything is out of control, to bring us through to everlasting life. Amen.